This is Social Media and Ourselves. When we were all growing up, we all had a certain hero we looked up to. To some of us, that was Superman or another comic book hero. For others, it was a celebrity. For me, it was a YouTuber named Markiplier, his real name being Mark Fishbach. From his amazing sense of humor to his commitment to charity work, Mark quickly became my favorite human being, and to this day, still is in my top five awesome guys list. But I never met this man, and as such, he has no idea how much of a positive impact he had been on my life. He knows nothing about me, whereas I know so much about him. I know that he's European, mixed Asian like me. I know his dog's name. I know his girlfriend's name. I know so much. Thanks to the internet, I developed a parasocial relationship with this YouTuber. Curious about the exact nuances that make up parasocial relationships, I went online to learn more about them and got many mixed answers about the subject. Some sources called it stalking and that developing such a relationship was unhealthy. Others called it the revolution of relationships overall, and that true intimacy is now dead. Others just stated that parasocial relationships was just the newest term for social surveillance. That internet-based parasocial relationships were just the newest level of interaction for modern culture. To get to the bottom of this, I sat down with Professor Victor Breitbart, a cultural anthropologist who teaches a course called Cultures of Surveillance. Having done so before and after the creation of the internet, maybe he can shed some light on this topic. What exactly is a parasocial relationship? So a parasocial relationship is usually with people that you don't know personally, but you feel like you know them. So the best example is like you know a celebrity that you follow, and you feel like you can really relate to them, and you can relate to their life,、uh, to maybe some experiences that they've had and things they've been through. You have feelings for them as if they were someone that you knew personally. For example, when celebrities die, people may become depressed for a period of time. They didn't know the person personally, but they developed a little connection to them,、uh, and so in that sense, it's a parasocial relationship. And because the internet, you know, like you said, made these affordances so much more easier for us to get, we had a rise of micro celebrities, and you know, these small yet still Massively followed individuals online. Do you think this parasocial relationship issue or development has increased over the years? Absolutely. Scrolling through the site,、um, liking, sharing—the kinds of、uh, actions that we can take, thanks to the technology that we have—they are actual interactions, and they involve us in a way that. Is meaningful and powerful, and so we invest in those people emotionally and cognitively. But in terms of surveillance, we often keep track of what's happening in their lives. Is a parasocial relationship surveillance? Not necessarily. It's a it's a relationship、okay. that can involve surveillance. Now, there's something. There's an aspect to all of this that we haven't even talked about at all, which is really important. Which is that our parasocial interactions. Are being monitored and analyzed in great detail, and then they get repackaged as products that are sold to any variety of commercial entities. There's all kinds of data that's being extracted about me 
and the people that are connected to me that I'm completely oblivious to. And it's being used in ways that I know nothing about. I'm thinking back to, you know, the parasocial relationships and how we develop emotional connections to people. Do you think that these companies will promote certain parasocial relationships because they're testing who you're leaning towards for interest wise, who you're, you know, leaning away from? Because like, for example, let's say I am politically leaning toward one side. I'm going to get more of these politicians who are like me. Uh, Absolutely. But you're generating it, though. Right. These systems of peer-to-peer surveillance and parasocial engagement uh, themselves become the engine of engagement. So they're designed in a way to facilitate interaction and communication that is going to be experienced as spontaneous, authentic, and is going to promote engagement. That's the irony in all of this is that the more control that you feel you have and the more that you feel that you're making your own decisions and selecting the things that are of interest to you and that you value, the more engaged you'll be. Meanwhile, behind the screen... The more information they're getting from you and the more that they're changing algorithm to be tailored to you. You're listening to Social Media and Ourselves to Jackie Kuru's interview with U Arizona anthropologist, Victor Breitberg. You remember the Truman Show? Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yes, I remember Truman Show. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Oh, that still haunts me. <laughs> yeah, so, so this world where this individual is born, he's the first human being owned by a corporation. His birth is televised. People all over the world watch it. It's called the Truman Show. He doesn't realize that he's living on a, t- a gigantic television set and everything is being manipulated and he's constantly taking part in these advertisements for products and he never knows it. And of course, through the film, he does come to realize what's going on. I've tasted other Cocos. This is the best. What the hell are you talking about? In that sense, the Truman Show, like that's the aspect of our life that matches the Truman Show now. You know, Shoshana Zuboff, the social psychologist formerly from the Harvard Business School, wrote a book called The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. And this is what she calls surveillance capitalism. In this world of surveillance capitalism, uh, we can't feel like Twitter or Instagram or any of these social media sites that we use are not authentic in some way. Right. That that they're controlling us in some way. We can never, ever feel that way because then it's game over. The system can't work. We it needs feel, to just feel like a meeting place, right? It, just, it has to feel neutral. And they know that. And so they're designed that way to feel natural, to feel authentic. Right. And these places, as they're called, social media, they're, they're social, right? They're places for natural relationships to, you know, kind of form. Yeah. But at the same time, these aren't really natural relationships. These are tailored to us to become, we were tailored to become friends sort of idea, but to do so in a very natural setting. Well, it's tapping into the most basic features of what we are as human beings, which is that we are social. We, we become attached to people. We care about them. We share, we reveal things about us. And we expect others to reciprocate and to share things about them. These are just the most natural human emotions and behaviors that these companies and political entities and governments 
want to harvest. Okay, yeah. which leads me to another question now that we're going down this tangent, which I really love. This I, I didn't even think about this until talking to you. But it's like, so do any of these friendships that we make online, are they really natural? Yeah, I don't see how they're not. But this account, it was recommended to me. This person, yeah. they're a per- that's still natural, even though they're recommended yeah. to me? Well, but you're not going to just go with the recommendation. I mean, you're making decisions. You're not on autopilot, you know? I don't think the relationships are fake. Even like the parasocial relationships that people have with celebrities or whatever, those are real emotions. I mean, those are real feelings that people have. So I don't want to in any way, shape, or form minimize or belittle that aspect. In fact, it, it goes right back to it. To the extent that they're real, it's precisely because they're real that they're so powerful for these companies that are you know, almost like parasites. They feed off a natural thing that occurs that they, in a way, are farming. Yep. But it's all happening in kind of like a zoo-like setting. These natural feelings that we're having and these interactions and these meaningful things, that this is an engineered environment that has been designed. It's the perfect meetup place. Yeah. Social media is the perfect meetup place. Because, one, you meet the right people, and you make genuine relationships, but it's Dude. so it's perfect in that sense. But two, it's also perfect for companies because they set it up in such a way that it will happen and they can observe it. Absolutely. This is surveillance capitalism, but it's also behavioral capitalism. So it's really about making us more predictable for the benefit of certain groups and in ways that aren't necessarily for the good of our society, for our good, for the good of the planet. You just have to ask yourself the question, do you know anything about the impact that these incredibly wealthy companies are having in terms of their product? What impact is that product having on our world? I mean, just think how little we know about these industries, how little we know about the effect that they have, right? We we do know that they've had an, an amazing impact on our political system, and it hasn't been good. We know that they're having an incredible impact on self-esteem, on people's psychological and mental health. One thing that people sometimes take away from the way that I teach and the things that I talk about is that I just think that like technology and social media and the internet is bad. So I use an analogy, which is like fire, right? Is fire good? Not if it's burning your house down. If you need to cook a meal and you have nothing else and you're not going to eat raw meat, so you're going to cook that meat and it's going to be delicious. So... It's not good. It's not bad. It's dangerous. Fossil fuels are neither good nor bad. They're dangerous. Social media is neither good nor bad. It's dangerous. Cars are neither good nor bad. They're dangerous. All these things have dangers associated with them. Now, the real question is, ask yourself, are you aware of the dangers of the Internet? Is there a specific one that you're very afraid of or concerned about? Yeah, I think the most fundamental one is the asymmetry. These companies that have so effectively monetized the Internet operate in absolute secrecy. We know nothing about their operations. We know nothing about how they operate. We know nothing about their business model. And they don't have to share anything with us because they're privately held companies. They have absolutely no obligations towards the public. And if these companies are playing an ever-growing role in public life... They should be public. And just that simple fact, 
the fact that we know nothing about them and about what they do and how they do it and what the consequence. It's like knowing nothing about the food that you're eating, the things that you're drinking, the things that you so, put in your body. So basically, we're Truman who's aware that we're in this place, but we don't know how to exit it. We're at the stage uh, where Truman kind of figures out that this is all rigged. He figures out that it's rigged, but he doesn't quite know the scope of it. He just knows it's rigged. That's where we are. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This episode of Social Media and Ourselves was produced by Jackie Kudu and myself, Gabe Stultz, with an extra special thanks to Dr. Victor Breitberg. Social Media and Ourselves is funded in part by the Center for University Education Scholarship at the University of Arizona. Thanks for listening.